Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about scapular compensation, moving to a cash-based physical therapy practice, and what types of massage therapy techniques we prefer. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We are here at Champion PT and Performance up in Boston. I have Lenny Macrina in the house, Dave Tilly in the house. What's up, guys? What's up? Everybody doing well? I feel awkward sitting on this side. I know, right? In fact, the, the draft is different. We just moved around for the for the YouTube crowd that watches us there to uh, to get a different sense. You know, I think a lot of people were asking what the other side of Lenny's head looked like. <laughs> so we wanted to put Lenny on this side of the room. Whoa, man. That's in vogue. You see if he looked like the hound from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Two-Face. Just, like Harvey Dent. Just, uh, you know. Mild <laughs> cultural reference, but uh, anyway, everybody good? Feeling great. Nice. Great. Students in the house, we have Evan Eleven and Jake and Bake joining us for another solid episode. You guys want to roll? Ready to go. Let's do it. Evan, you up? Yep. All right. Evan wants to go first. All right. Rick from Pittsburgh asks, how can we best prevent posterior tilting of the scapula with passive glenohumeral flexion in post-op shoulders aside from blocking the scapula? Prevent. Just po- thinking about that. Prevent yeah. posterior tipping with, with shoulder elevation. Sure, yeah. Okay. So posterior tilting with shoulder elevation mm-hmm. is normal and desirable. I was gonna say, what? Right. right. But, okay. So, but he said post. Oh, uh, okay. So what I'm gonna say, and then maybe we'll answer the question this way, is what what you're getting at is in a post-operative patient. So it sounds like somebody's tight. Right. Uh, when you go into passive elevation, how do you prevent the scap from? Winging slash posteriorly tilting too much, but I, I almost still feel like it's a wing. Um, I don't know if I ever see anyone posterior tilt too much. Do you I guys? I was gonna say that. Also. It's more just kind of like that, you know, that wing I right there. Like movement laterally, maybe too much. Yeah, like yeah, lateral. I, mean, I don't know if it's a posterior tilt. Uh, besides blocking it, well, usually, I mean, I, I guess if we talk about why does that happen, first off, maybe we talk about that. That usually happens because glenohumeral range of motion is limited. So you're just trying to get your arm overhead in space, and it's either the the shoulder or the scap that's going to move. If you don't have the shoulder mobility, then your scap's going to move extra. So I think the answer would be, you know, not to stabilize the scap, but to make sure we're getting proper glenohumeral range of motion. Right, which is very normal to lose after surgery. So you got to throw everything at them with mobs in motion depending on where they are in the surgery and get them moving and everything else but it's glenohumeral issues it's not just like scap yeah so work on glenohumeral scap just goes because it goes it goes because everything else attaching to it yeah, so I guess it could it could be soft tissue like in addition to the capsule right you soft know, muscle but, stuff soft capsule stuff yeah pain uh, inhibition guiding reflexive inhibition all that stuff you know yeah, so yeah, focus glenohumeral within your post-operative guidelines, right. and then right. and I and I bet the the scap kind of uh, um, kind of kind of does its own thing over time once the glenohumeral joint takes over. I yeah. would also offer maybe work in sideline. I think sometimes post-op people who spend a lot of time on their back, sometimes it's hard to kind of 
kind of get in there and like want to manipulate the scap. So if you go sideline, you can kind of get better feel, hold the scap, do stuff with the scap. That's interesting. So you do sideline, what, passive range of the Sometimes, shoulder? yeah. Mm-hmm. If someone's on their back and they're very like, uh, after surgery, yeah. sometimes just laying on your side and you can kind of just totally noodle arm them. Yeah. And control over it. It's a little easier. Mm-hmm. Lie on the For bad some, side. Mo- no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's your problem. <laughs> You're not laying on your post upside. <laughs> I like that. So you take away the effect of gravity. And stuff yeah. Too. And that's you a good can point. if they're guarding. You want them. with a scap if you want a little bit. Nice. I feel like all my patients weigh 300 pounds in a good athletic way. Not in a, not, not in a bad way. <laughs> Shout out to all my patients. <laughs> I, I, I feel like that would kill me. I feel like, you know, it'd be like too heavy for me. But Dave treats little people. I do. I That's right. Dave, Dave, Dave treats 12 year old Four foot tops. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's definitely move on. All right. Number two. Um, Drew from Cape Cod. Drew from the cave. First says, quick, Quickly want to say thank you for the great content you continue to produce. You're welcome, Drew. But his question is, what advice do you give a PT who is thinking of trying to move to a cash-based model rather than the traditional insurance-driven model? Okay. Cash-based versus traditional yeah, insurance. Yeah, touched on this before, I believe. Hot question. Yeah, always, I mean, and I think it's a good one to repeat. Like, yeah. if you're, you know, if you're going to start a cash-based, you know, what's your, what's your criteria, I guess? Um, I don't, maybe I'll lead a discussion here along the lines of that question. But do either of you guys think so? At Champion, we are we are cash based. We're out of network with insurances. Um, do you guys think that was challenging for us? I can't say anything because I wasn't during the startup. So I guess coming from the insurance model to the cash model in the last few months, I have found that it is different. It requires a different, I guess, spin on how you approach talking with clients and selling yourself a little bit and being accessible through email or text message, whatever you feel comfortable with. I think that was very new for me in the way that in my old previous insurance models, they call the office, talk to the office staff, I get like a relayed message and they're on my schedule. Now I do that all myself and I personally like that better, but I think that that's an adjustment. You're the point of contact, you're the person scheduling, you're talking about all their issues. but. Given that, I think that the cash-based model I find is much better because I can spend more time with people, they value your service, and I feel like I don't have to deal. The hour and a half I was spending on insurance, paperwork, and notes, I was very frustrated with because that time was best kind of spent elsewhere. Yeah. But, yeah, but sense. do you have um, the capital? Do you have the uh, clients in your area that are willing to... Yeah, you have, you have direct access if you're in Massachusetts. <laughs> no, but no brainer. Do you have <laughs> That's the capital step one. to open your own place? It may not be, you don't have to have fancy stuff, but do you have the clients to build a practice upon and knowing the, the rules and laws of being insurance-based versus cash-based, can't you would have to probably get rid of all your insurance contracts to then become cash-based and that now you're taking a big leap because now you're completely out of outpatient and now you're just solely cash-based out of network and hoping people walk in your door. Do you have the foundation with people day one to walk in the door? And if not, can you support that, your family, et cetera, monetarily, you know? Yeah, I, I, I guess. I, I, didn't, I did not feel it was challenging in any way for us. Um, I, sometimes stressful, I guess, because there's no, there's no doubt. We get a lot of like generic phone calls, like to champion, like with somebody looking for insurance, just because we're down the street. And sometimes, as a business owner, you think, well, gee, like we're kind of we're giving that away for no reason. The person that wants the insurance, um, you know. So sometimes there's a mild stress that you know 
like you know we're not going to get enough leads or whatever but um, I don't know it just it just hasn't really worked out that way I think everything's a snowball effect so if you can just start with a small base and you have that clientele and some spare capital like Lenny said um, it'll snowball over time if you're doing a good job but um, I guess the point we could get to with this though is the number one thing with cash bases I again you got to have a very specific niche and that niche doesn't have to be baseball players or something like that. It could just be you're the best manual therapist in town or something like that. You know, there's something, but you have to be really, really good at something so that way people will justify that. And sometimes, you know, it's, you know, like the accessibility with Dave, it's a huge perk. You know, that, that, I mean, I have people text me at 10 o'clock at night and I don't know. I've just always been I got like, one after midnight last night. Not even kidding. Text message. Did you wake I up and reply? No, I see it until <laughs> six o'clock this morning. I but, used the do not disturb feature. Dave told me to lay on my post-operative shoulder, and it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever want to see Dave again. <laughs> but yeah, accessibility is is great. It's a completely different world with that. But that's all part of being cash based. I would hope. Um, but again, can you sustain it? Can you get people in the door? Can, do you have a niche, and can you create value for people in your area? I think exactly. you're on the Cape, if I remember correctly. I think um, value is So yeah, what's so. going on in your neighborhood on the Cape that you fishing can injuries. facilitate value? The Cape. People fish on the Cape? Like recreational. Right? It's not like Gloucester. Not Gloucester. <laughs> Fisherman. Um, yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I, I don't know if I would personally do it if I didn't have a strong niche. I think the strong niche makes it easy. Um, you can certainly try it. I mean, there's a, you know, you can always go back. It's not that big of a deal. Right. There's no, I think, I mean, I think it's the value. I really do. I think that you have to be really good at what you do in a certain area, like you said. And I think one of the reasons it was successful for you guys, as much as you're humble, is that you are very good clinicians and people come to you because they feel better, get their goals. And then like tell five of their friends, like you got to go see Mike and Len. you know, yeah, that's, that's my personal opinion. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that's huge. I, if you, yeah. You gotta, you gotta have good outcomes, I guess. Right. That's a good point. Right. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Let's okay. go to number three. That was number good. Three. Mark from Houston says, I'm a strength coach currently going through a massage therapy program with intentions of going to PT school in the future. There are a lot of techniques out there. How do I distinguish which systems techniques are worth spending my time and money to learn and hone? And then you put in parentheses, how big should my toolbox be? Okay, so you're, as a massage therapist, we'll just leave it at that. As a massage therapist, there's lots of different techniques. I mean, most of the... Uh, massage is massage, <laughs> kind of in my mind, right? It's like... You know, it's just connecting with someone. You know, most of the techniques are just all variations of one another to some sort of extent. Um, you know, I, I think it comes to, you know, to personal preference. There's, you know, there's a lot out there, but there's definitely personal preference on what you think looks engaging to, to you and to your clientele. You know, so I've gone through a lot. I've taken a Grostin course. You know, we teach instrument-assisted soft tissue all the time. I've gone through quite a bit of trigger point work uh, with different people. I've done fascial release. I've done ART. I've done, um, I don't know, EBC and XYZ. LOL. You know, so, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I've gone through them all, and I think, you know, because I just I just like to learn. But there's I definitely see what you're saying. There's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of extra stuff. So why don't we do this? Why don't we, I don't know. I mean... Why don't we say, like, what's our favorite technique, maybe? If you had to pick a tech, or where would you go learn, or something like that? From, just for manual therapy. Just therapy. for manual therapy, yeah. And it's not, well, for massage, not for, for massage. manual therapy. Sorry. Um, I know mine, but... I think ISDM is probably a really good place to start, you know, in terms of... point. A lot of different... There's a lot of different places to go, but, I mean, if you're a massage therapist, it's going to save your hands in the long run. I think that's really important, too. But I think that you can get a lot from different tools or systems about the theory behind it, and it applies to 
really everybody. I think right. you're going to get a catch-all with that one. I think that makes sense, too, because not I, I wasn't actually going to say that, but that is probably what we use the most, all I of us. I think so. I think we just take it for granted we lose yeah. it the most. So we're, we're at a good place online, Vita, to, to learn about instruments. Uh, maybe MikeReynolds.com. After you listen to the Nissan seminar. Urson Religioso and I have a great online program at, uh, at IASTMTechnique.com where we, we want to teach you, because it's so simple and easy to, to learn and start applying. We want to teach you. I think that's easy because it's a hundred bucks or whatever it is. I'll get my affiliate link out there. <laughs> but, but it's just very easy, right? You don't have to drop a thousand dollars to just learn the upper body. Right. Nothing annoys me more than that. Or like, to buy the tools, you know, which is nuts. Right, right. So I'll start there. Len, what about you? Did Dave steal yours? No, Dave did not. Steal yours. Um, <laughs> this I is eyebrow am, waxing. I, I am going to go out there and say, you know, does it really matter? I mean, I'm going to keep it real. Um, what I've seen is, and what I've read is, does it does the manual therapy technique really matter, or just being hands on with your patient or with your client? I think just like facilitating that and uh, just you know palpating, getting experience with palpating. I think it's good that we have all these courses. Um, you know, there's value to them, and you can educate your client on that. But I don't necessarily think instrument assisted versus active release versus all these other fancy names it sounds good but i think again just touching the muscle and feeling it is going to be the number one thing so do what you want as long as you can can sense if a muscle is tight and then even people will say you can't um i can but but i think understanding why a muscle is potentially tighter than it should be if that's the case and knowing how to treat that with manual therapy and exercise right. I think is your key and I say that all the time again it's a yeah. simple approach but that's just my philosophy I really think the assessment in front of it and listening to your patient is more important than what type of manual therapy is and connecting with them yeah and I agree with you guys but everybody always wants the cookie cutter I, approach so, yeah. I'll, so <laughs> yeah. I'll give you my answer I, they're, they're absolutely right my, I think the most influential people and techniques and stuff on me has been fascial release from Tom Myers and, and so Tom Myers is the author of Anatomy Trains so I think I connected immediately with the concept of anatomy trains on how maybe different muscles and fascial groups kind of interconnect throughout the kinetic chain. So I, think, I guess I like that biomechanically. I'm a biomechanical, uh, neurobiomechanical. Uh, neurobiomechanical. Uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a biomechanical kind of mindset guy. So I think I connected that with that quite a bit. But I've, um, I've read, you know, all Tom's books, his, his DVDs, his online things. I've gone to some of the seminars. And, and I just, I honestly feel like I get the best results from that. But I will preface all that I could, can I preface it afterwards is yeah. that the epilogue mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you can't <laughs> preface something afterwards right <laughs> I will, I will. <laughs> no that's just chapter two that's what it's called <laughs> I will preface that <laughs> By by saying, what was I saying? Um, I I will say though that that that's just my hands, and your hands might be different. So for for whatever reason, that's really connected to me is 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 working on specific muscle groups with movements in a in a kinetic chain thought process. It just clicked with me. So I would say seek that out. That's along like the Rolfing and structural integration kind of group. That would be my recommendation to look at, and that's what I kind of like. And as actually as a client, that's who I would seek out when I want soft tissue work on myself. So that's an interesting way to think of it too. So anyway, 
But awesome. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate another great episode. Uh, thanks for all the great questions. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, please go to MikeRinald.com and click on the podcast link. You can ask us some more questions. We want you know anything you can give us, rehab, fitness, sports, business, baseball, whatever, gymnastics, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Something. <laughs> something. And, and uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinald.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.